And now, a special edition of the Toddcast Podcast. Right on, dude. Well, thank you again uh, for for taking the time. Um, We're all looking forward to your evening with wrestling legend Raven coming through Vancouver at the Rio Theater. This is going to be a great show. Doors are at 6 o'clock. The event starts at 7. That's on the 30th of January, so it's coming up pretty quick. Uh, you are here to come to tell some stories about your time with man. Oh man, where do we begin? ECW, WCW, WWF, WWE, TNA. Is there that one moment for you that stands out that you might like? Like I need to get this story out. No, I mean, there's not one moment that stands out. I mean, a lot of them stand out, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, like uh, you know, there's so many moments though you have in a career. I mean, it's been 30 years I've been doing this. Yeah, it's crazy. Like long time. Like when I when I started, there were territories. Like how there used to be all star wrestling in Vancouver and Calgary, Stampede Wrestling in Calgary. That's right. Yep. And there was Portland Wrestling. I didn't know that there was Portland Wrestling. Yeah, it was Portland. It was Oregon, Washington. Okay. And there were like there was like three territories in Texas. There's one in Kansas City, one in the Mid Atlantic area, or you know the Carol the Carolinas, one in Georgia, one mm-hmm. in Florida, mm-hmm. and there are territories all over the place. And so, the goal was originally was to break into a territory because they were still around. They died out about they started dying out around the early '80s, and Vince, Vince basically put them out of business. Right, and Vince McMahon did. Yeah. he brought up all the top talent from the company from the territory, so they had no one to draw with, and then presented a cool, a cooler, slicker product. And so all the other territories were out of business, but there were still like half a dozen that were left when I started wrestling. Um, Puerto Rico, Florida, Kansas City, uh, Alabama called Continental, Memphis or Nashville area called uh, USWA, but before that it was the CWA. Mm. And uh, so I started in Memphis. I'm building to, to, to your story, to your question. <laughs> so... So my first territory was Memphis. I was only there for like three months. Then I went to Florida Championship Wrestling for like 10 months. And then I went to Vancouver for a month for Al Tomko. Oh, nice. And uh, that didn't last at all. But because I was already on the West Coast, so close to Portland, I went from Vancouver to Portland and basically walked in the door and asked for a job. And Piper was there. Piper was running the company because he had uh, he'd grown up there. I spent a lot of time there. And always felt a debt to Don Owens, the promoter of Portland Wrestling. So uh, Roddy Piper was there. He was running the show, even though he was on WWE, WWF at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple guys that knew me from Florida Championship Wrestling vouched for me. And Piper hired me on the spot. Cool. And uh, gave me three weeks to get over. He goes, I'm sorry, that's all I can give you. I'm like, no, that's great. I, I just want an opportunity. And basically, because of that, I spent two years there wrestling six to seven nights a week. Wow. Literally six, seven nights a week, and uh, and learned how to wrestle and became what. And if it wasn't for those that two years, and them hiring me on the spot, you know, I, I, my career might have went, went nowhere. You know, mm. and that that's really like the first big break I ever got. So you kind of owe it to so, Rowdy Roddy almost. Yeah, in a way, I also owe it to Fidel Sierra um, and Rex King because they both vouched for me. Mm. But the main thing that got me over with Piper was. Because when I did Florida Championship Wrestling for 10 months, I also comment, co- uh, was a heel commentator with, with Gordon Soley, um, who Piper commentated with in, uh, in Georgia Championship Wrestling back before, you know, when it first started on, on the Superstation or whatever, you know, way back in like early 83 or something, 82. 
And uh, and that and telling him that that I could be, and he made me the first heel commentator Portland ever had. <laughs> and uh, and they just they and then and really the guy that taught me how to work was you know he didn't try to teach me like I basically picked his brain like he was willing to teach me as long as I asked the right questions and that was the grappler and uh, who was a who was basically a territory guy um, and then he uh, just aged out of the business you know he didn't age out but he, uh, yeah he, I mean he did but he did it's a long story but anyway suffice to say but that was my first real real break where i started making money you know and started thinking i can really make a career out of this you know mm. when did wrestling kind of first grab you how how old were you i was like seven or eight i started watching it yeah you know and i always wanted to do it but you know it was one of those pipe dreams you know you think about but ah, i'm never going to do that you know that's just that's for that's for other people to do you know and then um then i lost interest in it then I got interested again in, in high school. No, in, at the end of high school and college. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Man, I want to do this for a living. I'm gonna. I, I, I don't want to be 50 years old, though, man. I should have done this." Yeah. So, um, so I said, "Screw it." I go, you know, if if I don't, if I don't, if I'm not successful, I'm still not a failure because the only failure is the guy who doesn't try. You know, as long as you try, you're a success. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how bad you bomb. But as long as you try, to me, you're a success. Yeah, totally agree. And, yeah, so I figured, what, what, what can it hurt? You know, so I mean, I had my college degree to fall back on, and uh, and I decided to make a, a start of it, and then uh, went to wrestling school, and then basically, you know, that I was uh, the start of the whole thing. Which wrestlers did you grow up idolizing? We just talked about Rowdy Roddy, of course, but um, you know, Hogan and Ricky the Dragon, the British Bulldogs, and Macho Man, Elizabeth, and. Which were the wrestlers for you that were really like, man, they're they're that's that's my boy, uh, Jake Roberts, Jake the Snake, yeah, man, and I you can Jake. see the influence, yeah. I mean, you can totally see the influence of my character. Yeah, Jake's been a, a guest of this podcast as well. He's a fantastic guy, super nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, the real shame was I never got to run with him back in the day. Mm. You know, like you know, and, and so much of my act has been has been concepts I've picked up or li- lifted from him, you know, and made, made it into my own. But, yeah, I really wish I could have just actually, you know, sat under his learning tree, you know, yeah. personally. Now you, you've hung out with Jake, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're friends. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's just, it's, um, it's a shame I didn't get to, you know, that I, w- I would have loved to have, been, have had him as a mentor back in the day when I was still learning like the grappler was to me. Yeah, totally. And what is your first wrestling memory? Uh, I don't know. I forget. Nah, no. <laughs> no. Um, like it goes back to you know the early days of WWE. Well, I guess it would have been F at that time. Yeah, no, it was WWWF, Worldwide Wrestling Federation. That's right. And then the WWF, the animal organization, took issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they I they went from WWW. They went from three W's and an F. Y- yeah. Two W's and an F. Then the World Wildlife Fund sued them. And, uh, and there's a great T-shirt. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But there's a panda bear hitting another panda bear with a chair. With a chair. And it says WWF. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's great. You remember the first WrestleMania and how freaking amazing it was? I was a fan way before that. I was of a course. fan since, since 1973. Yeah. Maybe 72, 73. You know, uh, my, my, my hero as a kid was Chief J. Strongbow. Because mm. he would go in this war dance, 
Like when he was getting beat up, he'd go in his war dance, and he'd all of a sudden have miraculously recover. Oh yeah, like um, uh, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, well, that's, they, yeah. Basically, they gave him they, they gave the Ultimate Warrior his the the Superman comeback, that's like right. uh, Chief J Strongbow, but, but okay. he never did it quite. He never did it quite so right. It never looked as good as Chief J. Strongbow's. Well, yeah, the original's always the best. Yeah, well, I know, but I'm saying, but a lot of, you know, but Hogan made a great Superman comeback, too. But the, um, it just, uh, for whatever reason, Warrior just looks spastic. Totally. Grabbing the ropes and shaking them. And <laughs> yeah, which, which I was watching the AEW the other night, uh, and uh, yesterday, and I, and I seen Kenny Omega do it. I'm like, oh yeah, he must have got that from the Warrior. So it's it's it, I'm sure he got it from the Warrior. Yeah. So it's weird how you pick up influences from everywhere. Like I I tell young wrestlers growing up, going up in the business or just starting, so watch as much wrestling as you can, good or bad. Because even if it's shit, um, even if it's shit, you can still learn. You can learn what not to do or find some nugget of of, of uh, quality. You know, even in shit. Yeah. How much did you watch your matches to? You know, see what the fans were kind of watching. Uh, I hated watch watching much? my own. Yeah, hated watching my own stuff. The um, yeah, but you have to. I mean, you have to if you want to learn. But you only. But it's only worthwhile if you actually watch your study your matching and and be honest with yourself about your faults. Totally. Like most people, most people, like I don't know what they see. They watch their matches and they go, and they go, man, I should be pushed more. And I'm like, you're terrible. What are you seeing? You know. <laughs> Yeah, and, well, uh, self critique is tough. Yeah, but it, but it shouldn't be. I mean, it, it should. It, to me, it's 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 harder not to be critical of myself. Yeah, like you know, it's harder to put myself over than it is to see cr- critical. You know, because all I can see is a mistake. So I have to actually watch my match back like three times. Like the first time I watch it back, all I can see is mistakes. I mean, that's uh, nothing but mistakes. Right. Second time I watch it, I can start to see less mistakes and third time i watch it i can see it like everybody else sees it where you you know because i'm watching mistakes i'm making when when the camera's not you know when, when i'm not the focus of the of the what's going on right like let's say you know they're they're showing the guy you know walking around the ring and they show me laying on the ground and i'm barely in the shot laying on the ground you know i could be doing something as innocuous as as you know, kicking my leg or popping my head up just to look like I'm alive, and feel looks like the worst thing on earth. You know, so mm-hmm. it takes me a couple of mat- times to watch it. You know, to to really get to the um, to the heart of the issue, and and then I can actually watch it and go, okay, was that good or bad? Right. Interesting. Hmm. And are you a fan of uh, other fighting sports? MMA, UFC, Bellator. Oh man, I live for that. Yeah, it's so good, right? Like I loved it. I loved it last year. They, you know, they had a basically they had a show on every single week. There was basically a, a UFC show. Yeah, totally. you know, at least three out of every four weekends. Yeah. So yeah, I watch it religiously. What do you What are you but thinking about the McGregor um, uh, Cerrone fight coming up? You know, if it really happens, which you know, you never know because you know McGregor's got a hundred million dollars in the bank. He doesn't need. Right. You know, so how motivated he'll be, uh, well, you can look at it two ways. You can say he'll be super motivated because he lost to Khabib and he needs to redeem himself. Or you can see him going, ah, I should be able to kill Cerrone and not train worth the crap. You know, and also have no motivation because he's so rich. So it, it, it depends which Connor shows up. If, um, mm-hmm. if, the, if the old Connor shows up, 
I think he's going to beat Cerrone, but if he doesn't, he's going to get knocked out. Interesting. Knocked out, eh? Well, I mean, only if the old Connor, only if the new Connor, you know, the, if, if, if the wealthy Connor shows up, you know what I mean? Like, not the old. Yeah, the hunger. Is the hunger still there? You got a hundred million in the bank, right? Like, right. How hungry are you at that point? Yeah. Yeah. But he may be hungry enough again, you know, so. It could be. I mean, it, it sounds by the the footage and the promo stuff that they're releasing, it sounds like he is first off going to take the training camp seriously, and he wants to get the title back. Yeah, but 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 he, that's what he says. Right. But people don't always mean what they say or say what they mean. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, or they they may think that he may mm-hmm. think he wants to get the title back, but he may not really want it. Like he may not really want to put in what it, what it takes. You know, because right. I can't even imagine training like that because. You know, like, it's funny, MMA fighters are like, man, wrestling's, you know, wrestling is so dangerous, so hard, I'd never want to have some guy, knowing some guy's going to hit me with a chair and just take it, right? Right. I'd much rather know I'm getting hit with a chair than, than potentially get hit with a shot that I don't even see and get my ass knocked out. Oh, you know, totally. But, but I can't even imagine the training they do, because, you know, I, I have a hard enough time making it to the gym every day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I know. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's amazing. What they're doing is amazing. Raven, I'd love to get outside of uh, wrestling and, and sports and what you're known for, for a little bit, if you're cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. How much, uh, just so I know how long to, uh, uh probably another five, what's that? Probably another five minutes. Oh, okay. No, that's fine. I, I didn't know how long you wanted because I, I just had some, uh, I have a, something at one o'clock, you know, in my time. Oh yeah, so be, I just want to. That would be way done yeah. before, way way before that. Okay, uh, that's fine. Uh, okay, so let's get into the music. What's the, what was the music in your house as a kid growing up? What are your parents playing? Oh, my parent, my mom and dad, they didn't play a lot of music, but when they did, they had eight tracks. Yeah, eight tracks <laughs> back in the day, yes. Which, which always, which if you don't know what an eight track is, it's it's horrible. It's it's it makes a cassette look like the great. Like it makes a cassette look like a, a DVD compared to a VHS. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and the best song was always in between tracks. So like the song would be interrupted while it changed tracks. Yeah. <laughs> well, my parents listened to my dad would listen to Sinatra or Barbara Streisand. Actually, mostly Barbara Streisand. Wow. Okay. But, but they didn't listen to a lot of music. So I. But the music I, me and my sister always played was like seventies top forty, which which basically seventies top forty was was everything it was metal. Totally. It was disco. It was soul. It was top 40. It was like there's never been a decade with a more eclectic play of music than the 70s on one station. Like this this radio stations played everything. Like, you know, now if you listen to a station, it's either going to play dance or it's going to play rock or it's going to play classic rock or it's going to play alternative. Very niche. But it's not going to play everything. No, like in the 70s, dude, it was like, you know, uh, Fleetwood Mac, the the Bee Gees, Eagles, Sabbath, all on one station. Yeah, and and it was AM. It was AM radio, too. It wasn't even FM stereo. Yeah, yeah, crazy. And what was your first concert? I went with my parents to see the Beach Boys. Oh, nice. But, uh... But the first, and I, somebody else too, but the first concert I ever saw by myself, I was in, I was like 11, I was in sixth grade, and I saw Gary Wright, the Dreamweaver. Okay, nice. Wasn't that, uh, that was on the soundtrack to Wayne's World, wasn't it, or something like that? Yeah, it made a comeback. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was a, it was a monster hit in 70, whatever, five, four, six. Yeah, the mid five or six. Yeah, that was big. I mean, it was, it was like number one. 
And yeah. I he had two songs. And so, like, I realized at that point that, uh, that I was too young for concerts because they, because he played, other than the two songs he played, I didn't know anything else and I hated it. I was miserable except for the two songs I knew. <laughs> like, my taste buds hadn't developed enough yet to listen to music that I never heard. Yeah. And, uh, and plus, I was drunk off my ass. I had like four beers, and, and uh, I think I might have thrown up, too. <laughs> wow. Good first concert experience. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> it was only like half a mile away, so I walked there. Nice. What are you binging right now? If you find time, what, what are the shows that you're currently binge-watching? The Witcher. I just started The Witcher. Yeah, you know, I keep hearing that's a great show. I have yet to, to plug it in. Yeah, and, and it's really... Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for the listeners, but... There's a, there's a, it's already by the fourth episode, there's a big swerve, and uh, I don't want to ruin it, so I won't say anything, but yeah, The Witcher. What, what, um, what, what is the premise of The Witcher? He's a, he's a monster hunter, like he's a mutant monster hunter. Oh, cool. So you think that, so it seems like, by the previews, that that's all it is, is he's going to fight and kill monsters, but it's so much better than that, because there's also, there's a, there's a throne, and the people get dethroned. And uh, and there's ma- there's magicians, there's ma- there's witches, there's magicians, you know, yeah. sexy witches, not you know, not ugly old you know, pointy yeah, hat witches. Yeah. Um, there's it's it's in medievalish times, hmm. but uh, they talk current, they talk like current people, but it, it's um, it's um, it's a lot more than just Henry Cavill killing monsters. Yeah, like that's the the Superman. Superman is the lead character. Yeah, he, he yeah. was great in in, uh, in the Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle, he was in that. Yeah, he was the uh, he was the British spy or the American. Oh, uh, he was yes. the British guy. Yes. Yeah, well, I loved him. Really in that. I, I I love his work, man. He does great stuff. That uh, that movie got no play whatsoever to Man from Uncle, but it was actually really good. It was um, what's the guy's name? The guy married Madonna. Oh, Guy Ritchie. Oh, yeah, Guy Ritchie. I love his movies. Even when yeah. they're bad, they're really good. Dude, yeah. Like, he does some really incredible stuff as well. What was the... Was it two Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? Was that Guy Ritchie as well? I think it was. Yeah, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Snatch. Yeah. He made Snatch. Snatch as well. Great movie. Yeah, those two are uh, uh, bonkers. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they're awesome. And then uh, and, so, and I like everything. I pretty much... Uh, the only movie I haven't seen that he's made, I think, is the Madonna one. Swept away, which I really had no interest in. No, I didn't see that one either. You, you get into the the superhero movies. We're speaking of uh, yeah, Henry yeah, of and Superman and stuff. Which which yeah. which one's been your favorite? Well, my original favorite was Blade. Yeah, uh, just because it was the first superhero. It was the first superhero movie that was done right. Yeah, you know, it was done like a superhero movie. It wasn't done. It was it was done like a comic book reader's view of a superhero is not a um, not. Hollywood's idea of a superhero movie. Yeah. But then, like, the Fantastic Four was, you know, that, that was terrible. They, that was like a super, that was the Hollywood version. You know, it was a Hollywood, it was an executive's idea of what it should be. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, and, and, that, and that, unfortunately, is a team that actually deserves to have a freaking amazing movie made around them. Yeah, absolutely. They should go back and revisit that. I think but so, they made too. two stinkers of it. Yeah. They made three different Spider-Mans with three different Spider-Mans. That's ridiculous. Right. Well, I think but the new one's amazing. The it, guy they found. This, but see, here's here's the here's the here's the reason the first two Spider-Man movies. Well, I didn't see the second guy, Andrew Garfield, but the first guy, uh, what's it, Tobey Maguire? Oh, Tobey, yeah, yeah. The reason why I, I thought those sucked was because the the whole part of Spider-Man is 
is he cracks jokes on everybody. Like he's a he's just nonstop, you know, one-liners. And as he's dangerous. fighting. Yeah, as he's fighting, you know, and he didn't say, and it wasn't, like it, was, it, was a, it was an executive's decision. Oh, he's a superhero, got to be a superheroic. But it, that's not the character. Right, it's, just, it's, a, an ex- it's an exec that's never read the comic book. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Which superpower you would know? you want to have? Flight. Flight, <laughs> you got it right, boom, flight. Yeah, I'd be yeah, I know. Cool. I always want to be able. I always wanted to be able to fly. Yeah, that would yeah. be pretty cool. Like, but I'd be. I'm. I'm terrified of jumping out of airplanes. I, when I was in the Marine Corps, I almost. I, I was. I was supposed to get to jump, and I would have then, but I didn't get to. Mm. So I. And ever since, I've never wanted to. You know, I was never had the guts to go back up in the sky and do it. But if I started flying from the ground up, then I wouldn't have any problem. Right. Jumping out of the plane is nope. the scary part. But if you if you can fly from the ground, then it's just you know. Right, right. Jumping out of a perfectly good plane. What are we doing? Right. Yeah. That's, that's my uh, my ex wife slash best friend. Uh, she always goes, "How are you going to fly if you if you're scared of jumping out of a plane?" I go, "Because I'm leaving from the ground, so it's not so scary." Right, dude. I want to respect your time. I have a couple more questions, and uh, then I'll let you go here. Sure. Uh, an oddball. Do you think that aliens have visited Earth, or perhaps even even live among us? Of course, absolutely. Yeah. If you study ancient alien theory, there's no way they haven't. You know, I'm really well versed in that area. Mm. Um, it's a it's a big hobby of mine, and I've probably read like 50 books on it. And uh, yeah, I mean the Sumerian. I, don't know, I could go way back, but the Sumerian culture, the first culture that ever existed, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, and and they had a part. They had a bicameral parliament. They had a bicameral legislation. I mean, they had uh, the first. I mean, this is this is six thousand years ago. They had they had uh, they had they had doctors. They had and the doctors were only paid if the patient healed, if the patient got better. And Think about that. They had a welfare state. They had uh, all this stuff six thousand years ago that nobody knows about. Mm. And uh, and there's no way, and it just sprung up from nowhere. There had to be aliens involved. And and here's the thing: if you just think about it from a religious point of view, just take just take God for an instance. The Jews. God comes down and tells the Jews that you're going to wipe out all these other people. You're my, you're my boys, and you're going to wipe everybody else out. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like a fair and loving God? No, it sounds like an alien trying to take over, and he, an alien would be seen as a God by people who don't know any better, right. you know, by people who just, you know, dig in the mud. And, and it makes a lot more sense that, that an alien is telling Mark, you're going to wipe out all these people with our help, than... You need then I'm the kind and loving God, but I'm going to be vengeful and wrathful and make you kill all these people for no reason, even babies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't it uh, the guy from Blink-182, um, Tom DeLonge, just re- released a video, and the government, the U.S. government, has actually said, you know what, yes, we have, there yeah. has been proof, and it's funny, like, uh, the way that people's they won't say, minds they won't go say now. Outer space. Wait, they won't say it's from outer space. They say, and they won't say the word alien. They say it's not of earthly technology, but they won't right. go. But they won't. They won't say the full. You know, if it's not earthly, it has to be outer space or alien. It's got to be but something that's not have, from here. But, but, but at least they've taken a step, though. Yeah. And I think they're going to gradually release more information. My you, guys so had too. That, you guys had that defense secretary um, uh, who's big into alien theory. Um, mm, I'm not sure. The Canadian guy. Uh, the defense minister, <laughs> Paul Howell or Paul, somebody. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
But yeah, he, he was a he uh, he um said that he knew for a fact. But oh, Paul Hellyer, I think. Hmm. I mean, I, well, I there, there, there's been so many videos where you know they're doing Mach 15 and then they suddenly do a right angle turn. Like, yeah, uh, that doesn't exist. No, but it could exist. But it, exactly, but it could exist by aliens. And the right. Kepler program has identified hundreds of thousands, even upwards of millions of other planets. Like, there's no life form at all on any of those planets? Come on. Yeah, it's more unlikely that there isn't. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, look up, look up, I think it's Paul Hellyer. He was a defense minister, minister of defense for Canada's government. Okay. And he, uh, he says that, uh, that he knows for a fact or whatever. I mean, just for curiosity's sake, you'll, yeah. you'll find it interesting. I mean, there's Canadian. There, there's there's so many. Um, you go back to the Egyptians and like, how did the pyramids? How were they built? And how were they built? We can't the, build them today. Exactly. We can't build them today. You talk to see. You talk to an Egyptologist, and they'll say, they'll go. Uh, it was made this way or that way, but they're right. not. They're not. They're not builders, and they're not engineers. You talk to an engineer, and they go, "No way, we could even build it today. We couldn't build something that accurate, that size." Right, and isn't there like other things in that area where it's like all exactly on the same, you know, uh, line on around the Earth, and like yeah, certain certain degrees stuff. and yeah. whatever else, and like you couldn't even do that today. What the really? Yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we still talk to a lot of people that don't believe that aliens ha- exist. You know, there's, it's just like, wow, simple, really? Open up your mind. The simplest way to, the simplest way to prove it is uh, if you get a book by, um, what's his name, um, Sitchin, Zachariah Sitchin, mm-hmm. who talks about the people, that, the Anunnaki who ran Sumeria. And in one of his books back in like 70-something, he talked about, Mar- he talked about uh, I mean, the Neptune and Uranus as being twin planets, because this is what he read in the, in the Sumerian text. Mm-hmm. Um, they're being twin planets. They're blue green, and uh, something like he said a bunch of facts that everybody, that all the astro- astronomer, the, the astro- astrobiologists and astronomers all crapped on and said no, it is no, it isn't. Then eventually, like in the '80s, they finally flew out there. You know, they finally got a satellite out there, yeah, and uh, like a Voyager or something, and took pictures and it proved he was absolutely right. And 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 no one thought he was right. And the only way he would have known. These, these facts was by the only reason he knew was because he read it in the Sumerian text. Mm-hmm. And if the Sumerians knew, how would they know that unless there was aliens involved? Right, six thousand years. Because we ago. we couldn't we couldn't find out until the eighties. Right, <laughs> go figure. All right, dude. Uh, last question here, and uh, what are your thoughts on legalized marijuana? It is across Canada now for the last well since October twenty seventeen. All drugs are illegal, and not not so you can do them. They should all be legal because that way, first of all, it would eliminate ninety percent of crime. Because mm. most crime is based on acquiring drugs, getting drugs, selling drugs, buying, Illegally. getting money to to buy drugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and so so if you legalize it, so that the the converse, and then you could just tax it, and the governments would make a ton of money. But the converse would be people would go well. But if you do that, you know that would be the pro. The con would be. Well, if you do that, everybody will do drugs. Mm. Anybody who wants to do drugs can do drugs now. Right. You know, I don't want to do drugs anymore, but if they're legal, then you don't have to worry about people stealing and all that, all the things I just said. And you could spend money on rehab, you know, because if you tax it, you could spend all the money on rehab or part of the money anyway and rehabilitate people. 
But if people want to try drugs, they're going to try drugs, right. no matter what. Right. And prohibition proved when we tried to ban alcohol in the states how that that's what started the mafia. Mm-hmm. You know, the mafia never would have come into the states if it wasn't for that. Well, they probably would have been selling drugs if they wouldn't if they didn't legalize liquor. But I mean, it's just it's a ridiculous proposition to le- to make it illegal, just like prostitution should be legal. You know, people should be able to do what they want with their. It's like mm-hmm. Here, here's my problem with Republicans. They, Republicans all want the government to be small, except when it comes to your personal life. Then they want government to have a hand in everything, which you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. Well, like you know, you're saying if you if you legalize everything across the board, it takes away the stigma of yeah. You know, now suddenly it's not like this uh, taboo thing, this underground thing, and you can explain and educate the the the. And it know, takes the, away the excitement factor. Like totally. people want to do drugs because they're illegal. If they're right. illegal, they're going to have less interest. Right, and it's not like if they legalize cocaine, suddenly I'd be like, "Let's fucking rock some lines of coke, boys." It, it, yeah, it, it, of that course. does not mean that. Of course, I'd still keep smoking marijuana, but you know, it doesn't mean just because they legalized heroin that I'd suddenly become a, a heroin addict. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, of course. No, yeah. Well, thank you again, man, for taking some uh, some time here to join us. We're all excited for your tour uh, rolling through Vancouver at the end of the month. Our buddies at uh, Got Pop concerts presenting an evening with wrestling legend raven on thursday january 30th at the rio theater um and you're easy to find online you're pretty active uh at the raven yeah, effect uh, on twitter. twitter yeah right yeah, on, i'm dude. just active on twitter and facebook I, I post everything that i post on twitter but i don't respond or look at it because it's too much of a headache so i figured <laughs> twitter's enough yeah fair but, enough. but here, here's a, here's a, if you think if you think I was even remotely interesting on this, wait till I tell the sex and drugs and rock and roll stories at the Q and A. Yeah, dude, I'm looking. The, uh, I'm looking Mike forward Raven. to it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be you in here. I'm going to tell. I'll be, I'm sure I'll be telling the story about the time. I'll just give a tease mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. when me and Saturn had a um, set up a slip and slide in a hotel. Um, a, a nude slip and slide with strippers, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, and, and I will tell the ending. We did get thrown out of the hotel, but that's. Uh, yeah. But in between, there's tons of highlights to that story. Beauty. So. All right, man. We'll hear it on uh, January 30th in Vancouver at the Rio Theater. And otherwise, I guess we'll see you online. The Toddcast Podcast. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at Toddcast Podcast.